Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minute. For those that do not know, this is my second podcast I do here in two different forms. First of all, it is available in a video form here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel where you are welcome to join in the conversation in the comment section. And thankfully, there's not all too much going on visually, at least. If you want to check it out, cool. But even if not, I mean, it's just kind of a channel background image with a cool looking visualizer for all the audio. At least I think it's cool looking on there. Uh, but it's also available in most major podcasting platforms, apps, and sites. Simply look up Mario's Minute and you should hopefully be able to find it because this is, well, an actual podcast. Now, again, it's not available on everything, but it's available on most platforms there. And that way you can take it around and listen to it wherever the hell you want to. Now, in this podcast, unlike my main one mod chat where it is more structured and I'm talking about, I guess, modding current events and such, uh, this one I kind of just talk about really whatever the hell I want to and what I feel like talking about. Uh, sometimes I do have a guest on here, sometimes I don't. I try and alternate between months, and this month here is a solo episode. So I do have a list of topics I kind of want to talk about and nothing all too like pressing or super current, and sometimes it's just kind of sharing some older life stories like this. I used to do this a lot more in the form of gameplay commentaries years ago, and gameplay commentaries to me are kind of just mini podcasts. So this is kind of just an elongated version of that, and then you take out the actual gameplay element itself. And what is this? Well, it's just a podcast. That's what's going on. <laughs> Either way, you know, I'm looking at my topics here. Maybe this is just a laptop month. I don't know, but I have a few a few stories in regards to laptops that I've been wanting to share so we can kind of just jump into it here one of them is actually going to be I guess my own laptop and this is from years and years ago this is geez probably a 10 year old story over 10 year old story at this point so growing up I had a few laptops my Family was the type of family where I mean we had some desktops and then at one point for some reason we kind of just switched over to laptops and I kind of hated this. And the reason why I hated it is because my parents had said laptops are better. And their justification for laptops being better is that they are portable and you can take them places. Now, typically, yeah, that is true. Uh, but I will say from a, I guess, specification standpoint, I don't think they're better because laptops are not meant to be uh, as used and abused, like kept on 24-7 as desktops are, they can also be a bit harder to take apart, clean up, repair, all of that fun and necessary maintenance that you do have to do, especially, you know, 10, 15, even, geez, 20 years ago. I guess 15 years ago would have been more prevalent for laptops and such like consumer ones that were realistic to purchase and everything. But um, the other thing my parents would do, which I uh, always hated this, is they would get a laptop and then they would essentially ground it like a desktop. So they would hook it up to a dock and then disable the screen and hook up a external mouse, an external keyboard, and hook up a monitor to it. So they would turn their laptop into a desktop. And at that point, they also had a really bad habit of never turning off the laptops, which I was always annoyed at 
always annoyed at this and it was very much a thing I would tell them to do it they wouldn't do it and then after you know years they'd be like well why is this having so many issues I'm going you you, you never you never give it a rest ever <laughs> like a laptop is not supposed to run 24 7 here it's not like a server it's not even you know excusable like a desktop in this sense uh, either way they have long since stopped doing that they do have laptops and desktops but they do use them appropriately and as needed after I've hammered it in so many times but for a while that's what they did with their laptops and I just really disliked that because you know you didn't get as much power from the components on there they just weren't as good as desktop components and also what is the point in owning a laptop when you're just going to treat it like a desktop that's how I understand it they would occasionally travel with the laptops but it was so rare and far and few in between that I'm just the type of person's like look if you're going to do that setup you just need to buy a desktop you need to use and abuse that at home and then for the times that you do travel that's when you have a separate like $400 budget laptop that will just do the basic things that you're going to need it to do even these days now that's happening a lot less a lot of people are just going to bring their phone or if they want a bigger screen they're going to bring an iPad or something to do all that they're really not going to bring a laptop everywhere um, so that's what was going on with all that. That was kind of the backstory on there. Either way, I'd always kind of, I guess, had shared laptops with the family for a while until uh, I'd had my own at some point. Uh, one of them I got when, I guess both these when I was a teenager, one of them I got in high school and another one I ended up getting as a graduation, graduation present from high school so I could use it in college. And this laptop was just a lemon. Uh, it really was. I remember it was an Asus U56e. I was so happy with it. Uh, and then literally every everything had to get replaced on this thing. Uh, the keyboard, the did the mouse have to get replaced? Like the trackpad? I don't think the trackpad had to get replaced, but the keyboard had to get replaced. The screen uh, did. No, the screen had an issue, but didn't have to get replaced, thankfully. Uh, I'm pretty sure I had at least one motherboard replacement. I've had to replace the battery. I've had to replace the DVD drive. I've had to replace the hard drive on there. Almost every single component on this board had gotten replaced, and it still has issues because it has a defect where the Wi-Fi will just cut out. And essentially, if it's kind of like half working, which is kind of how it is right now, you have to just restart the computer until it works properly and stably. Um... Yeah, no, not great when you're, you know, in college classes trying to get this all up and running and all. That was part of the reason why I installed an SSD at one point because I was like, well, you know, if I have to restart the, the laptop two or three times before class, uh, it's going to be a lot easier to do that with an SSD as opposed to a hard drive because restarting with an SSD takes me 30 seconds, restarting with a hard drive takes me five minutes. Uh, no joke, I did count it on both of them, so... Uh, yeah, don't really recommend that laptop necessarily, although I still have it around and I have occasionally used it here and there. It actually has just like a very basic Windows 7 install on there, and I occasionally do use it for Xbox 360 drive flashing because that's like the last OS that drive flashing really works like good and proper on. Uh, either way, either way on all of this. I wanted to share what was going on here with this Asus. So I remember I, I was happy with it at the time. It was, uh, oh, I replaced the RAM on that too. Replace slash upgrade. But either way, um, I remember at the time I had gotten it from uh, Best Buy. 
it was $600 in 2011. Again, it was a uh, present, which I was super happy to unbox. It was kind of a pretty slim laptop for the time as well, too, so that was cool. But then I was running into that Wi-Fi issue, and oh, by the way, the Wi-Fi defect thing I was talking about, the only way to really like fix-fix that, which it's even kind of a Band-Aid fix because it's just a defect that's known with that uh, model, you have to remove the Wi-Fi component and reseed it. But to do that, you have to rip apart the entire laptop. Like, it's not just kind of like a simple thing. It's like you have to get it all the way apart because it's like at the very bottom of the motherboard. And it's like the last thing that you remove. So that was just a lot more than what I wanted to do at the time. But either way, what ended up happening with this was uh, that first year I used it in college. And especially I'm taking it between home and class and work. And I'm using it in class. And it, it's going all over the place with me. It is truly being portable. It is being used and abused. Um, even though I, you know, I took care of it. It's just, you know, the wear and tear of bringing it around everywhere. That's what's going to happen. So there was a few things that had gone on with this. And I remember I pretty much, it was like my second semester I had to kind of limp along with this laptop near the end because there was several issues that it was having. I think, oh, the, the speakers, that was it. I think, so pretty much, like I'm saying, like almost everything on this laptop had to be replaced. But the Wi-Fi was having issues. It, my Wi-Fi was so bad, you all. It was so bad. I had to go out and spend like $10, 10 or 15 bucks to buy a USB Wi-Fi dongle. So I would plug that into one of the USB ports on my laptop because that was more reliable than the actual Wi-Fi that was going on there. Uh, so I had the Wi-Fi issue. I think I had a speaker issue. I think I also had a keyboard issue as as well. Also, I think at this point, the DVD drive had started to go out because I was burning a lot of stuff. So uh, I had like three or four things that I had to get replaced at once. And I just said, I'm going to let them pile up a little bit because right now I have to use my laptop. And then as soon as May comes around, once I'm done with my finals and I get my, you know, my tests back and everything, because also at the time I had a desktop. I think kind of close to then, but the point is, once I was done with my semester, at that point I said, cool, once I'm done, I'm going to send off my laptop for repairs. The reason why I didn't do these repairs myself is because it was under the one-year warranty, so I did really utilize that warranty. I had to. I didn't buy any extended warranty, but I had a one-year manufacturer warranty. Now, the issue with this laptop as well is because it was uh, it was through Asus, and Asus uh, was, I guess, just really partnered up with Best Buy, and I had bought it from there, and I had contacted Asus, and they pretty much said, with all this, they said, okay, well, you can't just ship it to us. What you have to do, you have to take it to Best Buy, and you have to get it diagnosed by Geek Squad. It is free, don't worry, because you purchased it from Best Buy, and we're partnered up with them, but you have to take it to Geek Squad. They're going to have to look it over. They have to give an official diagnosis, and at that point, they will be the ones who will then authorize a repair, and if it falls within the uh, manufacturer warranty, don't worry, it's free. But you just had to do this extra step of it's like, hey, I'm talking to you all. Can't you? I'm telling you all the issues. Can't you all just like help fix this up? And they said, no, you got to take it to Best Buy. So I remember I was running into all of this. And I think one of the times, uh, what was going on? It was like one of the times I had done this. Um, I had taken it to Best Buy. I did I, I had it fully charged, but I didn't have the charger with me. And they said, well, we're sorry, we can't take this. You got to come back with the charger. So I had to come back with the charger and take it. And then that's when they diagnosed it. But like the first time I sent it off, it was fine. Uh, I think there was a second time I had sent it off as well, too. But then there was a third time and it was still relating to the Wi-Fi issue. And this is when I stopped taking it in. I was like, I'm just kind of going to limp, limp along, deal with it, work with it myself. 
but pretty much everything else was working fine, except I still kept having the Wi-Fi issue. And this was kind of just the incompetence of Geek Squad there. <laughs> um, what happened was... I contacted Asus at the time. I explained this Wi-Fi issue to them. They said the same thing. You got to take it to Best Buy. You got to have this all looked at. Now, I believe at this time, I wasn't really using the laptop as much because I had a desktop and I was actually borrowing a laptop from the place that I was working at. So I wasn't using my own main laptop all too often. Uh, but at the time, uh, they said again, hey, you got to take this to Best Buy. They've got to do all their diagnosis and everything on there. So... I'm not the smartest person out there, but I at least know how to troubleshoot. And I knew I'm like, this is a this is a hardware issue. And it was even to the point where it's like I had done a reinstall, I had done a reimage, I had or not a no, I I didn't do a reimage at the time. I did a reinstall. Um, I installed the drivers, and even apparently they claimed me installing like a clean Windows Seven OS and putting the drivers on there from their website there's like no that that's not really going to work you have to use the actual like asus u56e windows 7 install and you should have made like a recovery disc when you got your laptop which it didn't come with a recovery disc i don't think you could have no you could have bought it but i decided not to because shout out to past me right when I got this laptop, like one of the first things I did for some reason, I saw that feature and I burned it off. So I had to burn it off onto like two DVDs and I had gotten the DVDs. I had reinstalled their specific build of it that they wanted and I was still having the issues with it all. So at that point they said like they as an Asus, they said you need to take it to Best Buy. You need to take it to Geek Squad. They need to look at this. Now, I remember I took it to Geek Squad and I had them look at it and they came back to me and afterwards they said, uh, yeah, it's not a hardware issue. It's a software issue. And I was just, I was really confused with that. Cause I was like, well, what, what's going on? They said, yeah, it's a software issue. There's viruses on the computer. So the viruses, you know, they're just, they're causing these Wi-Fi issues. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. I was like, okay. Um, and at that point it was, it, it was, I think the laptop was just out of warranty. So it wasn't, I couldn't do the return and everything. Uh, but I pushed a little bit. I was like, okay, so what's going on? You said it was viruses. They said, okay, cool. And I knew this was bullshit. The reason why I knew this was bullshit is because you have to realize I took this laptop in there with a freshly installed windows seven image. I'm talking the DVDs that, you know, the, the, the Asus Windows recovery DVDs, quite literally, I had put them in my laptop, done a full format of the hard drive, installed their version of the OS to their spec. Once I had it installed, I set up my account. I didn't download anything else on there. No, actually, no, never mind. Scratch that. I downloaded Ninite. N-I-N-I-T-E, fantastic program, and I downloaded some very basic things like Firefox, Chrome, probably Audacity, some other stuff, uh, stuff that is well-known, you know, and reputable. I installed that, and then I turned off the laptop, closed it up, drove over to my Best Buy, dropped it off. It was like a 99% clean Windows install. <laughs> so... I had done all this and they said, oh, well, your laptop has viruses on it. So that's why it was having the issues. And, you know, because they weren't doing services on it, they were only diagnosing for free. Uh, they didn't remove the viruses. So I said, okay, that doesn't make sense. So I asked them, 
what viruses are on there? And they said, oh, it was googleupdate.exe. And there was another exe, and it was related to Chrome. And I was like, Google up, that's Google update. That's the Chrome updater. That's to update Chrome. And they're like, well, I mean, that, that's how those viruses are. You know, they just they just they disguise themselves. So it it says Google update.exe, but it was a virus. And it was at that point I'm just like, I'm never coming to Geek Squad again. I have never given Geek Squad. I've given them my time, but I've never given them any money. But it's like. I'm not even going to give you my time at this point. If I'm bringing you a freshly formatted laptop and you're telling me googleupdate.exe is a virus, I don't even know what to say about that. I'm, I, I'm speechless even talking about it now. It, it is quite literally, essentially, even if you remove Ninite from the equation, this is pretty much what it was. It was a laptop with a clean Windows 7 installation on there. And then I opened up a browser and I downloaded Chrome and maybe Firefox and maybe I don't know one or two other free open source programs and then closed it up. That's all I did. <laughs> and and they want to blame Google Chrome and the Chrome updater for viruses, saying that the viruses are disguised as these updaters. Unbelievable. I still can't I still can't believe that. Again, I still have that laptop. I still have it. It's still kicking around. It still works. Uh, it boots up real fast because it has just like a super basic Windows 7 install on there with an SSD. And it works for what it, I need it to work for. Uh, I don't use internet on it or anything, so that's fine. Uh, the wired connection is just fine, but the wireless, you know, it's not going to be reliable. But either way, uh, that was a pretty big laptop issue that I had run into there. <laughs> Um, I wanted to, you know, I, this might just be mostly laptop stuff, but I want to share another laptop thing as well. So this was, uh, when I had visited my girlfriend the last time she had, a she has a laptop. She still has them like still current, current day. Um, but she has one laptop that she mainly uses and it's a few years old and she has complained about it to me a few times. And she was just saying it was really slow. And she takes she takes good care of her laptop. I'm talking like it doesn't have that much stuff on it. Uh, it doesn't even have nearly as many as much games as it used to before. Like she only puts like the games she really wants to play on there. She doesn't have a bunch of extra stuff installed. It's not like you're gonna get on there and there's a bunch of like toolbars, heaven forbid, or any of that. Like no, no. She she takes good care of her laptop. But she kept telling me how slow it was and how, like, she would barely even use her laptop. She just really uses her phone at this point for even just internet things because she hates using her laptop because it's just so slow. And she was telling me, well, it's an old laptop. And I asked how old it is. She said she got it, I think, in, like, 2018. I was like, that's not that old, though. Like, a four-year-old laptop, that's not that old. Because I'm thinking, when I think of old... I think of my current laptop, the last one I've purchased, I think of that as an old laptop. My most recent laptop I purchased was a Lenovo Y5070, and I bought that in 2014. Uh, and it does show its age, mind you, and it does have a few issues that I think are just related to an SSD that needs to be replaced at this point. But to me, that is an old laptop by definition. That is an almost nine-year-old laptop now. But she was telling me this, like, a lot of the things she kind of blamed her laptop on. She said, well, it's old, it's old. And I was like, well, hold on. Like, this is, this is not, 
Like, it shouldn't be this slow, though. And so I said, you know what? The next time I see you, uh, I'm going to... I, I Let's do this. I, I'm going to put SSD in there. Like, I asked if she wanted that. And she was at first thinking, like, oh, God, like, no, because I, I just earlier this year, I just backed up all my data. I formatted the laptop. I copied my data back on there. I got it all set up. I don't want to do that again. I was like, hold on. No, 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 no. You're not going to have to do all that. Uh, I'm just going to image your hard drive and be done with it. Like, that's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to use Macrium Reflect, install it on there, uh, image your hard drive from the hard drive to SSD, and then just swap them. And she's like, oh, so you don't you don't have to do any of that. Like, you don't have to... We don't have to do anything extra. Like, we don't have to, you know, do a backup and wipe and recover. I was like, no, 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 no. It's it's going to be, you don't have to do anything. So she said, okay, cool. Like, that works if you don't mind, sure. So I went out before I visited her. I went out. I bought a one terabyte SSD. Uh, I went up to visit her. I had done the swap on there. And essentially, yeah, even just getting to that point was painful with how slow it was. I kid you not, when I guess when I got the laptop, it was also kind of in the middle of updates, and some of the updates might have failed, but it was also kind of finalizing stuff. So I kid you not, from turning it on to like opening up a browser to making it kind of sort of somewhat usable, it took 45 minutes. And I was like, when you're saying slow, I expect five, maybe 10 minutes. To get to a usable point 40 this is unacceptable like i am i'm not even mad i'm at i'm at the point i am impressed with how bogged down and how bad this is right now and like it's not even your fault from what i can tell it's just this is what's going on and from what i could tell i think it was just i think the hard drive was kind of getting on its last legs because it was the type of thing where it's like i looked at the task manager which took two minutes to pull up and that hard drive activity was just sitting at 100% constantly when this laptop was barely doing anything. So what happened was I finally, after long enough, at one point, I finally got Macrium Reflect installed. Uh, I had brought a USB drive sled, essentially, where it's just a USB 3.0 to SATA adapter, hooked up this SSD, and then just imaged it. And thank goodness the image actually took. It started, and I just set it up. I said, okay, cool. Before I go to bed, start imaging. Shut down when you're done. And then the next day, easy enough. Uh, I went over to the laptop, you know, uh, disconnected everything, took out the old hard drive, popped in the SSD. This thing went from 45 minutes to become usable to two minutes. And I was like, that's good, but we can do a lot better. So I had tweaked a few things. I had uninstalled some extra stuff. I changed up some of the uh, startup apps as well, too. And I got her permission on that because I'm one of those people. It's like, hey, if I'm doing a bunch of tweaking, I like to get permission on things. But some of the stuff I was like, hey, you know, you, nobody needs like Weather Channel, Steam, Epic App Store, uh, like two other programs to start up and like Spotify to turn on to, to come up every time the computer turns on. Nobody needs all that to turn on. Like, uh, they're available as soon as the laptop turns on. So I'd ripped out a bunch of that. I did some extra cleaning. I did some more maintenance on there. Um, it came with, I don't remember what what antivirus it came with, but I ripped off whatever that bunk antivirus was that the laptop came with, and it got to the point, and don't worry, I had antivirus on there. I just went with the standard Windows Defender, which... 
you know, if you have malware bytes, Windows Defender, and Common Sense, like you're pretty well protected at this point. Just keep the Windows Defender updated. That's really the big thing there. But once we had all that going, this thing went from 45 minutes to two minutes to about 35 seconds, like from nothing to usable, 35 seconds. And I was like, okay, that is where I expect a four-year-old laptop with SSD to be. I think we're in good shape now. So the good news is her main laptop is usable. That's good. And then when she saw it, she was like so impressed. She's like, oh, wow, you know, I have another laptop that you might be able to upgrade. I was like, okay, cool. Challenge accepted. Let's try this out. So prior to this laptop, she had another laptop that she was working on. And I think that one had Windows because this one had Windows 10. Her previous laptop had Windows 8.1. I think she said it came with Windows 8, but then she updated it to Windows 8.1, and it was a Toshiba laptop, and it was kind of rough, like, it wasn't, she had taken care of it, but, like, she had given it to a family member, and the family member, I think, dropped it at one point, and it just, it stopped booting properly, uh, like, the heart, like, it would just, it would not boot, it would be, like, no OS detected, or no drive detected, or something, so at first, I was thinking, okay, the hard drive is is toast on here uh let's go ahead and replace this with ssd as well too i'm of the belief if you are using these days really if you're using any os past windows 7 you need a ssd you really do and especially in 2022 if this is a main computer you're going to be using um unless you're like using like an old legacy computer and set up as your daily driver if you're using like a modern type setup, you really need an like an SSD as your boot drive. You really do need that. You need the OS on there, especially with newer OSs, Windows 8, 8.1, 10, 11. Uh, these are really designed for SSDs in mind. In my opinion, Windows 8 and 8.1 was the last one where it was kind of made with like, yeah, you could install this on a hard drive, but we're kind of sort of really optimizing this for SSDs. But at that point, Windows 10, especially Windows 11, they're the type of OSs. It's more like just because you can install this to a hard drive does, doesn't mean you should install it to a hard drive. <laughs> so that's my opinion on all of that. But either way, once I got a hold of this older Toshiba laptop, I said, OK, uh, I'm going to you know take a look at this like. Let's let's assume the hard drive is not really in good shape. Cool. Let's upgrade this with the SSD. So I end up grabbing a 500 gig SSD. Should have been easy enough. I swapped it in, and I found a Windows 8.1 ISO. Popped it onto a USB drive. Plugged this thing in, and was not working. Like could not get this to boot from the USB drive at all. So I tried a few other USB drives, was not working. The way it was operating, though, was that when I was plugging in the USB drive, sometimes it was kind of getting to the point where it's like the laptop, it would start booting up and it would show the BIOS and it would just keep rebooting. And I was thinking maybe there's an issue with the power supply. So I actually even went out, got another power supply, swapped that in. Well, I mean, it was external, mind you, but plugged it in. No difference. So we end up returning that power supply. So I said, okay, the laptop seems to be having issues. The power supply seems to be okay in this regard, although it was kind of, uh, I think it was, 
it was slightly damaged. Like the cord was like slightly damaged on there. But I said, as long as you take care of it, I think we'll be okay here. So I was looking into this. And at this point, then it became an issue of like, this is like a puzzle for me. And I feel like I have to solve this before I leave. So I was kind of working on this off and on. And it got to the point, I didn't have any USB 2.0 drives. I only had the USB 3.0 drive. So I went through like three or four USB drives. I could not get these to boot. Then I ended up reading a bit online and it seemed like Toshiba laptops that had come out around this time period that this laptop was manufactured seemed to have issues booting from USB drives. Um, this laptop also had a DVD drive on there. So I've kind of learned this just working with older electronics pretty consistently just because the nature of my channel like <clears throat> I, I you know I talk about I work with you know newer hardware but also I really enjoy the older hardware as well too. I have realized a lot of the time if you're working with older hardware you get the best results using period accurate accessories and such with it as well too. Uh, like the original Xbox, for example, I've noticed for if you ever have to burn a DVD for that. That's one reason why uh, I've talked about this in like a side series I do on my second channel, Thrifty Gaming Pickups. But like whenever I find like good deals on old blank DVD and CD media at thrift stores, I pick them up and I kind of stock up because I've noticed that. I don't really have to use older DVD burners for the most part, but using older media is super helpful. I've just noticed not only it's higher quality, like if you have to burn a CD or a DVD, the older media seem to be better than the new stuff that is pressed these days. On top of that, the older stuff also seems to work better on older hardware than it does on newer stuff. Some examples here being uh, not only, you know, with the original Xbox there, but also I've done a bunch of VHS digitizing. Now, my setup, the way I kind of do it is uh, I wasn't doing any direct captures onto my uh, onto my desktop using like, you know, like third party, like capture hardware or anything. What I was doing was I end up getting like a DVD recorder from a thrift shop and they were they're not rare, but they're uncommon, I guess, because these ones didn't really catch on. And when I say DVD recorder, I'm not talking like a DVD drive that you hook up to your computer. I'm talking about like a DVD recorder that is like a DVD player, except it operates like a VCR. So like a VCR, you can put in tapes, you can watch them, but you could also record onto tapes. There were also DVD recorders like that, where you could pop in DVDs and play them, but you could also record onto blank DVDs. So I've had good success using that where essentially like I'll have it set up on a secondary TV somewhere. I will pop in my VHS tape into the VCR. I have the VCR going out and then hooked up to input on the uh, DVD recorder. And then on the DVD recorder, I really just burn that VHS tape. Well, I guess digitize it as it burns to a DVD in real time. And then once it's done, I finalize the DVD. I'm then able to rip that onto my computer. So therefore, the reason why I do this is because the, the quality is fine enough on there since we're coming really from that low resolution. But then I also have just a 
easy to handle, ready to load up ISO. I can mount that and watch the videos if I need to. I can convert that into a file if I need to. But also for family members who might still have, you know, they want like a physical copy or they want to like pop into a DVD player or something, I always have the option of burning off that ISO. And even if people say, oh, you know, that's not really super realistic on there. Well, I can always take those ISOs and, you know, convert them to MP4 files or whatever it might be. So I have kind of a good system right there. Plus, I also like the aspect of still having it physical somewhere. So I still have the physical VHS tapes. Those are going to be protected. But I also have that in physical form on a DVD. But then I have that DVD, you know, backed up, you know, at least once or twice. So that's how all that goes. The reason why I said all that is because I've noticed with those DVD recorders, I've had two of them, and they seem to work really well with old period accurate media. So it's like if I have a DVD recorder that was made in 2006, I've noticed it will have issues detecting a bunch of DVDs I throw at it. But if I have some like Sony DVDs, like blank DVDs that were manufactured around that time period, it eats them up like candy and it works really well. Um, so just having like weird, odd, one-off machines like that, it's really helpful for, you know, situations like that is what I mean. So that's why just from that experience, I kind of had this idea and I said, you know, if I'm going to be reinstalling the OS on here, maybe I need to install the operating system the way I would have back in the day using a laptop like this that had a DVD recorder or DVD player. I guess he had DVD ROM drive attached to it. So funny enough, since my girlfriend knows about, you know, a bunch of the weird DVD stuff that I described, she even mentioned at one point, she's like, hey, do you need any of these DVDs? And she pulled out a spindle, like a stack of like one, like a 100 stack of deep, like blank DVD plus R discs. And she was like, yeah, we only used like a few of them. And we're, we're probably not going to use these, but I know you still use this. So like, do you, do you want them or do you want any of them? And I said at the time, I was like, thank you. I appreciate it. But like, I think I'm good for right now. I don't need this, but like, you should definitely keep them on hand because, you know, just in case I think she's like, okay, well, they're not going anywhere. So if you ever need them, let me know. And it was at that time I actually told her, I said, Hey, wait a minute. You have an older laptop than this, right? And she said, yes, she had a, an older Toshiba laptop that still worked that had Windows Vista on it. And I asked, wait a minute, that one works. It has a DVD writer. And okay, hold on. So you have a old laptop that's working that has a DVD burner on there. You have blank DVDs. I have an idea. <laughs> so what I did was one night I took this Windows 8 ISO uh, I had to make sure it was, you know, a DVD-5 ISO so it fit onto a single-layer disc. I just put the ISO onto a USB drive, and I went over, I grabbed her old, old laptop. So we have her current laptop, her old laptop. I had to go to the old, old laptop. Got it hooked up. It's old. It has a hard drive on there, but the thing is, because it was Windows Vista, the thing booted up in, like, 45 seconds. It, it was fine. It worked beautifully for this situation. And then what I did was I think I had like two things on there. I had image burn and I had the Windows 8 ISO. I copied both of them over to the laptop. I installed image burn. I grabbed one of these DVDs and then I popped it into the laptop, 
burned it at the slowest speed. We waited like, you know, 20, 30 minutes for this. <laughs> then once it finished, I took that out, went over to the old laptop. So not the old, old one. The old, old one was used as a burner. And then I went to the old laptop, put in this DVD, booted it up. Beautiful. After a few seconds, BIOS posted and it said something, you know, it, it had the message that said something like press any key to boot from DVD. And I did that. I was able to finally get into the Windows 8.1 installer. So I was like, perfect. I, I am so happy you had everything here we needed to get this to work. But this is what we had to do here. I, I'm now installing this under the period accurate way of doing so. Even now, technically with Windows 11, you could do that because you could also say it's like, well, no one's going to install it from a DVD, but hey, th I mean, there's Windows 11 ISOs out there. So that's what you do with ISO files. You can burn them to a disk and run them from there. <laughs> Either way, what happened was I installed it, you know, selected the SSD, new partition, hit next, did everything, installed it on there, went all the way through, installed beautifully. When it restarted, I took out the DVD. It restarts, it gives me a new air. It can't even boot up at this point. So I'm just like, okay, what is going on with this? Because I'm like, I'm I'm so much closer now. It's like, I, I quite literally got this to boot up. I booted into the installer. I installed it to the SSD, but there's something going on here. So... To compound all of this, because the laptop had some physical issues with it as well too, the keyboard also was problematic where it would just start randomly spamming the shift key. And there was some other things that didn't work on there and it was causing kind of some issues with boot up. So then another thing I asked, do you have a spare USB keyboard? She thought about it. She runs off somewhere, comes back with a USB keyboard. I'm just like, oh my God, you are so like, this is why you're my girlfriend. You're, you, you are, you are as equipped as I am with this stuff. <laughs> so I hook this up. I'm able to boot back into the BIOS menu and I ended up figuring this out. I'd never done this before, but with the way this is being installed, with the way this is all set up on there, I had to then change the bio settings from UEFI, UEFI to CSM mode. So kind of had to do a downgrade in a way. I did, you know, look into the differences and all that between the two. I understand UEFI is going to be better, but again, this is an old laptop, like a 10 plus year old laptop that's really not going to be used all that often. So it's fine. It's it's going to be fine if, you know, this laptop is not capable of reading, you know, a 16 or 24 terabyte drive properly. <laughs> um, what happened, though, was I booted in, well, I changed the BIOS mode to CSM, restarted, popped the DVD in, it brought up the same, you know, press any key to boot from CD or DVD, so I did that. And then from there, I had to wipe all the partitions again, create a new partition. It did partition it differently because it was installing it under CSM, like kind of a legacy BIOS setting as opposed to a UEFI setting. Uh, it installed Windows 8.1. When it went to reboot, I took out the DVD. Oh my God, it finally worked at that point. And then because it was all running from an SSD, it was great because this laptop went from zero to desktop usable within like eight seconds at that point it was fantastic so because i had windows 8.1 before it was able to re-register reapply the license and everything that was fine uh, i did you know installs of programs i got this thing fully updated 
So at this point, I said, awesome, you have a secondary laptop here that is usable that you can actually use because this thing had been just dead for a while and unusable. So she was happy about that as well, too. And like I that was kind of a fun puzzle to solve because like I had figured that out pretty much. I think like the day before or like two days before I was going to leave. So it finally worked out like all of that went down. But those were all the laptop things that were going on that I had wanted to share on here. <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was a fun time with laptop repair. You know, let me bring up a uh, I'm going to bring up something a little more uh, recent here. Uh, not not laptop related, but I guess personal as well, too. Uh, possibly a wedding crasher type event. So one of my good friends ended up getting married recently. Uh, it was a it was a fun time. I got invited to the wedding. I ended up going first wedding I'd been to in several years at this point. But fun time overall, uh, unlike other receptions where you have assigned seating and such he kind of had free-for-all seating over here so what happened the reason why i mentioned that and because it's kind of important is because i was sitting with some people and because of the choices one of them had made he wanted to sit at a specific table which this table was the very last table out of all of them there and then he was complaining about it because when we were going up to get food, it was kind of, you know, a thing where you serve yourself and all that. Uh, we were the very last table to be called. We had to wait until the very end. Everyone else was very hungry. I was like, well, I could eat, but I could also wait. It doesn't matter too much to me. But this guy next to me was complaining this whole time. However, we we had kind of noticed something. Like, you know, I, I became friends with people at the table. We were all talking. And we had noticed that there was a table next to us. Uh, with a family of probably like four people there uh, that were kind of just keeping to themselves. But I also kind of just noticed like they weren't really dressed for the occasion compared to everyone else. And I just found that a little bit odd. Um, but I had said, you know, no, no, maybe no. We, we had some theories but we kind of just, we were just people watching, kind of having some fun with that. At one point, though, this family, when, you know, all the tables were being called because they said, you know, hey, tables one through three, you can go up to get your food. All right, tables four through six, you can go to get your food. Uh, this family had kind of cut a whole bunch of tables. Now, at this wedding, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, nice and everything. So they're not trying to, you know, they're not trying to stop anyone is what I'm saying. But they pretty much just said, like, hey please go when you're called but they didn't make anyone sit back down so what happened was this tape like th this table that we were kind of you know checking out and such they'd gotten their food super early uh they'd eaten their food but then the other thing i noticed is that they had left pretty early now you might be wondering how early they had left um one of my uh, one of the people I was talking to at my own table, he had kind of kept asking. He's like, "Oh man, my social battery. It's it's you know it's my social battery. It's really down right now. You know, it's just my social battery is really tapped out. Like you know, I'm just trying to go. Like wh when can we go? Like hey, when would it be rude to go? When would it be rude? He he kept wanting to go. I I told him at this point. I'm, I said, dude. You can leave after they cut the cake. Do not leave before they cut the cake. Uh, he even wanted to leave immediately after. Like, they cut the cake, and he wanted to go. But then they were also doing a group photo. And I told him. I, I had him hang out, like, a little bit longer. So I was like, no, dude, like, just 
they they cut the cake. I get it, but they're doing a photo right now. If you don't want to cut, if you don't want to eat any cake, that's totally fine. But just you know, they're doing the photo. Get into the photo. Let them take their photos and then leave. Like I, I, you can. I think it's fine to leave after they do a group photo of everyone, which he accepted, and then he ended up leaving. The reason why I bring this up is because the rest of us at the table had noticed this family was gone. They had left before they, they left the earliest. I think they kind of showed up a bit later than others, but then they left super early before the cake was cut. And we were just like, wait a minute. Did they just, did they just crash the wedding? Like, did they just crash this place for the food? And we all had like this theory of it all going on. So what happened was, of course, with everything going on, uh, the bride and the groom, they were super busy with everything. Now, I'm friends with the groom. The bride I'd, like, recently met, she seems really cool, but I'd met her, like, a week before. Like, we were at a computer shop, and, like, we'd all seen each other there. But they were, of course, super busy saying hi to everyone, taking photos, taking part in events, doing all this other stuff. So at one point when I noticed they were kind of by themselves and had, like, a breather for two minutes, I went over, I congratulated them, gave them hugs and everything. Then I kind of just talked to them. I was like, I talked to the groom. I said, hey, man, um, do you notice, like, this family over at this table? And at first he kind of said no, and then he thought of it. He's like, yeah, I, I did notice them. And I think his wife did as well, too. And I asked, did you recognize them? He said, no, I, no, like his, his wife, like she said, no, she's like, uh, uh, no, I didn't notice them. Like, I I didn't, I didn't recognize them. And the groom said, no, I, no, I didn't recognize them. I mean, maybe like my mom invited them. Like they could be my mom's friends or something, but I didn't recognize them. So it was like, at this point, I just start laughing because it's like, they, they could recognize and point out, and they knew, like, everyone else who was in attendance, everyone in the room. Like, they knew these people, they were at least cognizant of them, but, like, this one family, they had no idea who they were. Like, no idea at all. And he was even kind of theorizing, like, oh, well, may- maybe my mom invited them, I'm not sure. Like, maybe. And I just bust out laughing, I was like, dude, I think you had some wedding crashers. I, th- I legitimately think... They they came here, got some free food, and left. And his jaw just drops. His wife starts laughing, and I just, like, I'm doubled over, and I'm just busting out laughing. And then he started laughing about it, too. And I'm just like, the best thing was, like, I'm sitting there with everyone else. It was, like, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, I guess, like, one of the groomsmen. His wife was sitting over by me, so he had kept coming and going. His wife and I were talking quite a bit. Um, the groomsman's mom was also there as well, too, and there were some other people there. And I was like, we were talking about this. Like, we had noticed this. We we kind of observed the behavior. We were thinking, like, you know, they're, they just seem a little bit out of place compared to everyone else here. Everyone else. And they're not really talking to anyone, fraternizing with anyone, like... We had a theory. Maybe they were here. They they just found the invite somewhere and they were coming here for the free food and just left. But like, I don't think it's a theory anymore. I think that's what happened. So I don't have any further update on that. At least, you know, if people are interested. I can provide an update in a future episode. And my friend is busy, but I did ask him at one point. I was like, hey, man, if can you ask your mom, can you please ask your mom? if she knew who these people are, because 
I I would love for her to say no just so I could say that you had some wedding crashers come for free food. And he he wasn't even mad about it. Like he was laughing. He's like, dude, that's amazing. Like that is amazing if that happened. So he could have had some people that just totally came for free food. That might have happened. <laughs> oh man. So let's see. I, I want to bring up another story here. I'm actually gonna pick from this. So this is a I guess, section where I will typically kind of pick out a game store story or two. And it's not just like random game store things. I guess it kind of sort of is. But the background here is my first official job I had, I worked at a like local mom and pop video game store. And uh, I worked there when I was in high school for about two and a half years. And I would say it was like the best and worst job I had all at the same time. Um, it kind of killed my love for gaming, ironically, because I kind of associated gaming to like just like bad, annoying stuff you deal with retail and all that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's also retail jobs, not the best, but also discounts I was getting were nice. Um, it was a lot more relaxed than other jobs as well, too. Really loved my coworkers. So there was good and bad to it all. Um, but let me see. Let me see. You know, I think this is a good one. All right, this is going to be the one I'm going to pick. So sometimes I, I usually pick like a story or two I want to share on these solo episodes. And here's one of them. So we had one guy, uh, I might have mentioned him before. He, I don't remember what name I used for him because I always change the names on these. But he was the person who I had worked with him. And I shared this in a previous episode, but I was working with him and he was at the store with me when there was a bird in the back of the shop. And this was the time where, I guess to either remind people or to sum it up, this guy I was working with, he said there's a bird in the back. I didn't believe him. I went to the back room in our store and I just heard this flapping and this 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 bird ended up flapping its wings and just coming out from the back room. And then he had to kind of corner the bird, cover it with a rag, and then let it outside. Um... So it was a fun time there, but he was a customer with us long before he was a temporary employee there, and he he loved his video games. I think he prioritized them a little bit too much, but he loved his video games. But at one point, there was one time uh, he called me, and because he knew my main platform was the Xbox 360. Now, he played a lot on the 360, he played a ton of Call of Duty, and... Uh, his main platforms were PC for WoW and then 360 for the Call of Duty games. Now, this was when the Kinect was launching. He called me up, and honestly, it, it sounded unbelievable. But now, I, you know, I've seen the stuff. I see how the programs worked and everything. Um, I, this is believable now. So at the time, he calls me. And he said, hey, dude, I, I thought I'd let you know, uh, you know, I end up getting invited to this Xbox 360 dashboard, like this Connect beta. I was like, oh, really? That's cool. And he's like, yeah, man, like, you know, I didn't even apply for it. Uh, it's just according to him, he said that he just plays on 360 so much that they kind of like auto enrolled him on this because he had participated in a dashboard beta before. And this was coming from the NXC. So it went from the NXC to the Connect dashboard. And I asked him how it was, and he's like, dude, it is bright, and it is white. Like, this was the dashboard where it was very square. It was very much, like, white and flat. Um, it was the, the second dashboard that had um, avatars. Because uh, the first one that had avatars was NXE, 
but this one was the one where they had you know connect integration and such on there so he was explaining this to me and he said yeah um they already pushed the update to my xbox um i have it on a hard drive here now the thing is if i hook up this hard drive to any other xboxes it will update them to that dashboard but then that xbox cannot get online until this dashboard is officially released because the xbox has to be whitelisted so my xbox at home has already been whitelisted but i actually i brought my xbox over here up to the store um and this is why he was calling me he said i brought it up to the store because i want to show the guys the xbox and the dashboard and you know they they think it's cool I, I was hoping you would be here but you're not here so that's why i was calling you about this so he was kind of just describing all this to me over the phone and he was saying it was the connect dashboard then the next thing he told me which sounded unbelievable but honestly this did happen he said that he was enrolled in this he got pushed the dashboard update but then he also said yeah uh, i'm also getting the connect and i'm going to be testing it so microsoft uh you know they had me like confirm my address and i did and they're going to be sending me a connect for free um i think they're going to be sending me like, like a game or two and then i just have to like test it and give them feedback on it and i get to keep it in the end and at the time this just sounded crazy because this was the connect itself like the actual like connect package it retailed for 150 bucks but keep in mind this was beta testing so he was beta testing final retail hardware mind you but i want to say this was two or three months let's say two he got the connect i want to say two months before it officially released so i asked him if he could because at the time i remember you know it was said like you could turn off the console you can turn on the console from the connect and i asked if it could do that and he said no it can't do that and um you know you could just connect it up to your xbox normally but i don't have the slim i have the fat one so with the fat one you don't really have that um that level of connection yet i i know i'm saying it a lot but like no pun intended on there but he said you know you don't have that that level there so you have to use an ac adapter to plug the connect into the ac adapter and then you're able to like plug the adapter and a regular usb connection into you know your older fat console which is all true so he was explaining all this to me and i was like dude that that's really cool okay like you're getting the connect two months early so he ended up you know beta testing using the connect he said he he seemed to like it for the most part and from what i gathered i think he just got like the retail release of it early that's pretty much what they sent out as a beta test because he got the connect he got the ac adapter he got the dashboard update pushed early he also got uh connect adventures and um i don't know if he got any other games with it actually i don't know um but he just had to install the dashboard updates he had to use it he had to test it and the funny thing was because of all this we actually got the connect early us as a store so i don't remember exactly like the exact date the connect ended up launching but at the time i remember you know he had been testing it for about two months and it was maybe about a week before it officially released my manager called me because at this time i wasn't at the store he's like dude we got the connect and I asked how, and he said, yeah, th- this guy, you know, the one we're talking about, he said, yeah, he he ended up selling it because he needed the money. And that was another thing. He always kind of like needed money with stuff because he wasn't the best with that. So, but he was the type of person who he would buy something and then he would come in and he would sell it to us because he needed the money then. But he would be buying it back at, you know, at a price. So he was always losing money on it. So there was like once I remember he even like he sold a MP3 player to us and he was like, yeah, I need the money right now. I'm going to be right back here to buy it. 
So he, he did stuff like that. But at the time, I guess he'd gotten his use out of the Connect. He didn't want it anymore, and he needed the money. So he packaged it all up. He brought it over to the shop. He sold it. I don't know how much we gave for it, but we did sell it for under retail. And the funny thing was, I had been asking about this because I guess I stayed up to date with it at the time. We got it early. And we even put it out for sale early. Amazingly, no one bought it early, though, if you can believe that. Apparently, what happened was there was a lot of people who saw it. They asked about it. My manager explained it to them. They thought it was really cool, but nobody bought it early. Ironically, even though we had the Connect early and we posted it up early and we were selling it early, there was a lot of interest. And we did sell it, mind you. It's not like we like held on to it for months and months and months. That didn't happen until way later once people realized, you know, the Connect wasn't really all that. But we were not able to sell it until the day it officially released, ironically enough. So if you came to the store and you were a diehard like Xbox fan who really won the Connect and you had the money for it, and I don't think we were selling we were definitely not selling it because it was used. We, there was no way we were selling it for above retail cost. I know we could have, but I I want to say we were at most selling it for retail cost, but there was no we were not selling it above that. But even then, I think we might have sold it for, I don't know, if it was $150, we might have sold it for like $140 or $135 or $125, I don't know. Point is, there was a lot of interest in it, a lot of questions, a lot of people really looking at it, super interested. But even with all of that, showing it right there, saying, hey, we got this thing early and you can buy it if you have the money. Uh, this was the, it was big. It w it was big at the time. This was big for when it released. It was a big, big deal. Ironically, we couldn't sell it until the day it officially released. And I think it was just someone coincidentally who got it at that time. Like they came into the store and they had, I think, I think they probably like heard the connect released and they were looking into it and they saw we had one. They said, cool, we're going to pick it up. But funny enough, they could have gotten it earlier. So it was kind of cool. We ended up getting a connect early that way. I know there's been other things we got early, which I, I'll save that for another story. Uh, the one I'm thinking of, this was before I worked there, but I still have the story of it. But either way, uh, we do have some stories of getting a few things early, but that was probably like the biggest one that I could really think of there, where it was this like really hot accessory that people were really wanting. They were gunning after they were looking at. But amazingly enough, when we're not even hiding it, we're just putting it out there for anyone to see and check out. Of course, not touch it. We put it behind glass. We couldn't sell the thing until it officially released. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what ended up happening with the Connect there. Fun times. Uh, let's see. So we end up covering all of that. I also want to cover, you know, what games I've been playing here, which is something I typically talk about at the end of these episodes, uh, getting close to the end. But there's been two games that I've really played here. Uh, one of them I ended up finishing. I'm still finishing up, you know, at least one game every single month. And the game I ended up finishing was, let me see the full name of it, uh, just so I don't goof on it. It was... Which list am I looking at? Here we go. Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. That is that is quite literally what it's called. <laughs> uh, man, if you have never played this game, uh, it is short. It is pretty affordable. It is cute. It is 
very much a game of the internet. It's just very meme-based, very much a internet-based game. Um, even though it's easy, it also doesn't hold your hand, and by that I mean you need to know where things are and where places are at, and there's no, like, mini-map to guide you or anything. So, with me being someone who is somewhat directionally challenged at times, it was a little bit of a struggle here and there when I would, like, you know, spend a few days, like, away from the game and get back to it. And even sometimes it was like I would boot up the game, like, a few times when I tried to play it before, I'd boot it up, get, like, five or ten minutes in, and then just, like, not play it or whatever. But this time around, I actually did stuck to it. I very much enjoyed it. There was also a recent update for it that added in a bunch of other content, which I did notice because I was starting to see there was like tax year 2022 stuff on there. So that would make sense. I got to play the latest version, at least at the time of recording this. But Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion, can recommend it. Very fun game. Like, definitely recommend it there. <laughs> I've also been playing uh, Nier Automata. Recently, I had to end up going on a work-related trip, and this worked out really well, no pun intended, because Nier Automata was coming out. Now, I have only played like 30 minutes of Nier Automata. I own it for PS4. I thought it was great, but I played it for like 30 minutes one time, and then I just stopped playing it. No, no good reason for it. I just stopped playing. That's that's the only thing I can really tell you on that. Um, but I like the Switch. I play a lot of games on the Switch, and with Nier Automata releasing, I said, you know what? This is also releasing right before I'm going on this trip. It's going to be really nice. I do like playing my Switch on the plane and such. So while I was, you know, waiting at the airport, while I was on planes and such traveling, I did get some near automata time in. And even there's times like I'm just like laying on my couch playing it. And it, it also helped out to find out that it was a really great conversion or port. Yes, the game at least stock without modding it. Uh, it does run at 30 frames per second, but it plays well. It looks good. Um, it is an incredibly sound port and conversion of the game. And I'm also one of those people I want to support good conversions like that. Plus, it's like the, uh, I think it's like the End of Yora edition. So it has a bunch of extra content and DLC and stuff packed in there already. And uh, it was also discounted. It wasn't a $60 game. It was a $40 USD game. So just because of me wanting to support it and also the circumstances around when it was releasing and all that too, I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pick this up and I don't have any regrets. I I'm really enjoying the game so far. So it's, it's quite fun. I will also say shout out to Lance McDonald. I think this is also partially what pushed me to get this again because for a while I was thinking, okay, you know, I have it on PS4. Um, I, I can wait to play it, but I'd also maybe like some others here who might've heard of the game, but not played it. I hope this kind of helps out a little bit and kind of sort of spoiler, but bear with me on here. There are people who say, oh, you're going to have to play this game a bunch of times. There's a whole bunch of different endings. And Lance McDonald said something along the lines of, Hey, to anybody who's, like, a fan of this, like, don't say there's a bunch of games. You're going to scare away a bunch of new potential players. Here's the real deal with this. There's, you have to beat the game three times. The first, there's, there's a bunch of, like, fake-out endings, but the first time you play through the game, you play as one character. The second time you play through the game, you play through the same game as a different character. And then the third time you play the game, you play the rest of the game to completion. So there's really, like 
three playthroughs overall that equates to like less than 40 hours in the game. So, but it's not this thing of people are saying, oh, you have to beat the game 20 times. There's like 20 or 30 different endings. Like, no, there's fake out endings, but in all reality, there's like three actual playthroughs that you do of this. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, you know what? That's actually a lot more manageable. So funny enough, when I just read that, I was like, you know, this is, that is like, the thing I needed to hear and the push I needed to actually tackle this game properly now. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's what happened with all of that. Either way, uh, I guess now I would say, you know, wrapping up, we're at the end of this episode here. Uh, so what I do is I like to pick a keyword or a key phrase. And if you use this keyword or key phrase in a comment on the YouTube upload, I'll know that you've made it to the end of this episode. Uh, now, if you are only listening to this, don't worry, you can still chime in as well too. If you want to, come over to the YouTube upload and leave a comment with this keyword or key phrase. Typically, I do like to pick something that might be kind of close to me, somewhat related, something on my desk or what have you. How about erase? If you use the word erase in a comment on the YouTube upload, I'll know that you've made it to the end of this episode. Anyways, that's about it for this episode of Mario's Minute. If you're checking this out on YouTube and you enjoyed it, a like would absolutely be appreciated. If you didn't like it, a dislike is fine as well, too. But as I always say, this is uh, Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. Until next month.